Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the Social Studies Podcast, where we study being social by being social. Stoked for this episode. Quick thing to let you know, I will be announcing the fall tour very soon. Hold on to your panties, okay? I get it. It's gonna it's gonna come out. I've been teasing you for a little bit. But I can tell you, gonna be in Cleveland in the middle of July. You can get your tickets at mrdtimes3.com. Enough about me, more about our guest. Actually have been in the same place at the same time with this guy, but we're just really officially meeting for the first time. DJ Demers. You might recognize him for America's Got Talent or one of the three times that he's been on Conan. And if you don't know about that, you may have watched one of his stand-up specials. They're both out there for you right now. Indistinct Chatter and Interpreted. Great name, by the way. Thank you. And he's got another one coming up real soon here. By the time this podcast comes out, it will already be out. So go watch Born in 86. ASAP, welcome to the podcast. DJ Damaris, what's up, man? Hey, wow. I don't mean to be a cliche, but Mm -hmm. what a great intro. What Uh, a great intro. Honestly, you can keep going. I'm (laughs) because I put a lot of work into it. So there you go. And also, I'll say, if this is coming out after June 16th or 17th, I'm doing The Tonight Show next week, so you can also watch me on The Tonight Show. Okay, let's back this train up just a little bit. You and I both had the honor and the privilege to be in the worst NACA ever, which was January 2020, where I got absolutely zero bookings. That was a NACA. Could you mention when we were messaging that we had done a NACA together? It was that one? It was that one. dude, that... Oh, wow. Yeah. That was terrible even before the pandemic hit. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that great of a knack and then the pandemic hit and you're like, I think I got one booking out of that. I got one in Iowa or something. (laughs) Hmm? Oh, was it pre-pandy too? You did that booking before the pandemic hit? No, I did it like middle of the pandemic. It was Iowa. crazy. Yeah, I went into Iowa. I remember I went into a Subway restaurant and I had a mask on because it was like middle of the pandemic. None of the employees had masks on. And I swear to God, I can't be certain, but I think they all started laughing at me when I walked in because oh, of my mask. They were 100%. <laughs> that is a wild so, town. Did we talk at that NACA? No, we didn't. I tried to find you a couple times. We passed each other. I like knew who you were and I was familiar with your stuff. And I was like, oh, he's going to be there. Then we passed each other but I hadn't seen your set yet. So I wasn't going to be like, oh, hey, DJ, I'm Joe. Nice to meet you. Like, I wasn't going to be weird. So I was going to wait till (laughs) after your set and then like be like, what's up? And it just didn't happen. Like, I actually bombed. So I think I still could have gotten a few bookings out of pandemic didn't happen, but I was just a touch too edgy for those college kids, which is weird, but. It is really weird. And again, I don't want to get into the cliche of comedians shitting on colleges in this new too woke culture because wokeness, for the most part, I'm down with. I like that we're evolving. But yeah, some of the things they'll respond to in a negative way. You're like, guys, you know, like I'm actually on the right side of this here, right? Like we're like, yeah, I'm taking you down. You can feel okay going down this road here, but it's what it is. I've had some bad knackers too. I've had some, that one actually was okay for me. Other than the fact I only got one booking out of it, but I've had somewhere I got off stage and I was just like, it was like I was talking to a whole different species or something. That just worked great for the last week at the clubs I was at. And a yeah. A whole different, that was actually a great way to put it. 
It really is because yeah. this set was perfect and it has not failed me. That was the only place that it did fail me. But I doubled down on my gay material for that one because mm. I felt like I was like, oh, maybe like the GSA club will book me or they'll book me for their pride week or whatever. I was just like, that's mm. a side of me that I want to do because if I do my teacher material, none of them have taught yet. So I don't, I think that's too specific. So I'll do the gay stuff. Mm. And they, some, one of the kids was like, I think you're just a little, you're perpetuating a stereotype of a gay man. And I was like, oh, so great. Here's this thing, sugar tits. I'm actually just being myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what Hello, you're doing. You're talking to a gay man right now. <laughs> right. I was like, great yeah. to meet you. Oh, that's yeah. a pretty bold thing to outright say. It was very bold, which is why I say like, I think that the plus the kids of NACA are like the leaders like of the campus. Like they're all into planning the events and shit. That's what they do. Yeah. So I think that this kid had like his mind in the right place, but was still learning how to like sift bullshit from the good shit, you know? So this is just like something he knew and learned, but wasn't able to disconnect the fact like, oh no, honey, that's like when a, when someone appropriates the stereotype, that's bad. I'm just being me. Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting that, yeah, because I would have thought, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to put it, but like, I would have thought gayness would be an, a huge attribute that would help you at NACA because of the, what they're being more accepting of all sorts of things. Like I would have thought that would have hurt you 20 years ago, let's say. Right. Even right. 10 years ago, maybe, I don't know, but I guess pre Ellen and post Ellen are the two different worlds that, you know, Deanne Smith, not in person, but yes. She's a good friend and a great comedian. And she was telling me like it was like she was young enough or old enough, I should say, when Ellen came out of the closet that it, she felt the impact on how she could approach her own gayness in her own life. And I had never realized that Ellen's announcement when she came out in the late 90s actually had that. Like I knew it was like a cultural moment, but I didn't know it had that impact in people's personal lives. So that kind of stuck with me. I remember seeing it. Like I was very young, but while we were like checking out at the grocery store where all the magazines are, I remember seeing it and the title of the article, it was just her and it just said, I'm gay. And it was very big. (laughs) And I remember being like, holy shit, like just feeling like this is crazy that this person actually did it because up until that point in my life, like it was like the assumption, like people don't really talk about it. Like this is your fancy uncle and his roommate sort of thing. You know what I mean? But I remember reading it and being like, Oh shit. Plus it was two sight words. So I could read it at that time. (laughs) So that was a thing, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Had she had said, I'm a lesbian. I wouldn't have been able to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> too, too big of words. Yeah, exactly. She's what? Your parents are like, she's a She's librarian. Lebanese, right, yeah. <laughs> the end. So, wait, you're doing The Tonight Show. Yeah. Are you excited? No, I'm just kidding. I'm pumped. One you uh, haven't done yet. Yeah, I haven't done it, and it's The Tonight Show, so Very cool. it's been cool. I haven't done a late night set since 2019, so it's been cool. This week, I'm in Vegas, and you know, I'm doing 25-minute sets, but the first five, I'm just doing my Fallon set and then going into the other stuff. And I love working out a five minute set. It's a whole different beast than a long set. You're like trying to just like 
pack as many punches in as you can while also like retaining your personality. Cause I'm not like a necessarily a quick hidden dude, you know? So, right. uh, yeah, I'm very excited about it. And uh, you know what else is kind of cool? I loved being on Conan and he's like one of my favorites of all time, period, hand down. So it was a huge honor to be on that three times, but it feels cool to like diversify the late night portfolio okay. and with the Tonight Show. Like it's so- It's a big one. Yeah. Are New they, York City, that's going to be great. Are they super picky about your material? Like I've heard from people who have done it that they like pick it apart and they're like very on top of what you're doing. Are they really giving you creative freedom? Not yet. They approved my initial transcript. I'm going, I'm doing two warm up sets the night before at the Comedy Cellar, Great. which I'm also psyched about because I've never performed at the Cellar. So this trip is going to be like a dream for me. But Please. I don't know if after those two warm up sets, because the producer's coming to watch, I don't know if he'll pick stuff apart then. Yeah. That would hurt because I'm like just really tightening it up and like remembering it exactly how I want to do the whole five, you know? So, but it's their show. So we'll see. Okay, question. Based off the titles of your two specials, which are Indistinct Chatter and Interpreted, can see that we're still building into the deaf audience. But the next special that you have coming up, Born in 86, are mm -hmm. you doing something different? Is this a new side of you that we're going to see? What I'm throwing out the hearing aid, Joe. Yeah, 100%. You're just going at it, huh? That, that's a good question. So Indistinct Chatter was just, I just loved that title. And I, I love just it saw too. it. You see it so much. Like, in movies, even now, I like see it 10 times on TV show, an episode. So I like it just because it's so ubiquitous and you might not even pick up on it. So that one, I didn't even intend to be like a deaf joke, but it is obviously, but it's a caption joke because I know people who have perfect hearing or who are addicted to captions now too. But uh, interpreted, I called because I used an interpreter on stage and I also released an audio album of a lot of the same jokes, a few different ones, but I called that one uninterpreted. And then the one that I did for a streaming service in Canada that's out on YouTube now, I called interpreted to like distinguish between the two. Mm -hmm. And then this one, I didn't intend to like diverge from the hearing aid stuff necessarily, but if I've been editing it and I realized it is like pretty much the first five minutes I talk about hearing aids and then 50 minutes of non. So it is definitely the least I've talked about them, but I don't know if that was a conscious decision, but I have an interpreter with me again. I made the decision to do that. And I think I'll probably do that forever because deaf people have reached out to me and been like, why wouldn't you? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, why wouldn't I? It's, it's a no brainer. I have very, and it's regionally specific, obviously, but I do have a big chunk of deaf fans because, really? yeah, my minor in, in college was sign language. So I was originally starting to be a sign language interpreter for kids. One of my friends oh. ended up doing it. I didn't do it, but I always, even before it was, you know how people caption their videos now because you, they do it because you know, the video will perform better. Mm, is that why they're doing it? Yeah, well, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone's not like looking out for the deaf community. Well, see, I don't mean to, I don't mean to toot my own horn or nothing, <laughs> but I've been, I have honestly been captioning videos for forever because I had a good pocket of fans who are deaf that like mm. when I didn't, they were like, this is useless to us. So I just always did. Right. So I would say. Every fifth show, a fan who's deaf comes to the show and requests an interpreter. And I love nothing more than to just joke around with the interpreter on stage. It is my mm -hmm. favorite thing. And in the Agreed. moment, the, the audience loves it. And the fans who are deaf come up to me and they always say, 
that they love that part because it was specific to them and it was making the experience like for them, like even better. But then Mm -hmm. the couple times that I've posted online, me messing around with the interpreter, the deaf community is divided about it because a lot of deaf people, even in the comments are like, yes, this is great. You're doing your thing. You're inviting us. But then the other half is like, our accessibility is not your entertainment, which is to me, not what I'm doing, but I've been sitting on this for a while and I want to get your take and see what you think. I love everything we're touching on here. Is that true or is this dicey? No, I love it because I think about this a lot too. And my second special interpreted, I played with the interpreter a little bit, not too much, but a couple minutes. So most of it like organic and it, it was fun. I didn't get a lot of complaints, but I got a couple of the variety that you're saying. Our accessibility is not your entertainment. So then for Born in 86, I just treated it like she's just there to interpret. So I, and for my own sake, I was like, then I don't even have to worry about it. It's just purely for accessibility and I'm going to do my jokes. So I went that route, but I'm with you that I have seen comedians who are like, Actually, even me and interpreted, I was like doing anal sex just so she would interpret it because it's funny to me, but it's like funny to learn things about people's cultures. I'm not, it's, have you seen the movie Coda? I haven't finished it yet, but I did start. I had to like back it up. Okay. Well, I love that movie and I don't know if you've seen this part yet, so forgive me if I spoil it's it. It's all but good. Go for when it. When her little, little, her love interest, the teenage boy is over and he hears her parents having sex and they don't know that she's got someone over because they're deaf. Mm-hmm. And so he laughs about it with his friends and then it, she is like, you know, there's rumors going around the school and she ends up hating him for it because she thinks he was making fun of her family, her parents for being deaf. Whereas in his mind, he's like, no, it was just funny. Like your parents love each other. They were having sex. Like I got nothing but respect for that, but it was just hilarious. They had sex and didn't know we were there. And I could have seen myself making that mistake in high school for sure. And even me doing like the anal sex thing is like me trying to be like, no, but it's like funny that anal sex, the sign for anal sex is so like penetrative and like, like, yeah, yeah. Like it looks like, but I could also see their point of view that but why is it funny? It's our language. So yeah, I'm of the mind that if somebody's got a complaint and especially if it's coming from more than one person, there's some merit to it. So probably somewhere in my mind, I chose I'm born in 86 to not do it at all Mm -hmm. without making a huge conscious effort because there's some validity to it. But I believe that my heart's in the right place and that yours is as well. I don't, because I have seen comics who go way too far with it. Right in terms of what they're making fun of with the interpreter. I switched it because my whole thing too is even the nastiest feedback, if it's written the wrong way, there might, there could, sometimes not always, there could be a little nugget that you can take from there. I always am of that mindset, right? So when I got like one comment of somebody who was pissed, I was just, okay. And then there were like a few. So I'm like, there's something here. But I also thought as a comic, I'm doing a show and there's an interpreter on stage and everybody knows that. So I always was thinking like, you know how it is. Like if someone you're doing a show and someone drops a glass or somebody has a weird laugh or like if something is happening on stage or in the room and you don't 
sees that moment as a comic, like you're missing an opportunity. So I'm always like, there's an interpreter here. Everybody can see it. I still want to do something. So the next time I had an interpreter, I didn't like touch on the language itself, but I like messed with the interpreter. So I have this joke about like, old ladies and I call them golden girls and I just like gestured to the interpreter because like she was an old lady and then what <laughs> she did during the show is whenever she would sign like me talking she got way gayer so we were like going back and forth <laughs> fucking with each other but it was like everybody was in on it the people who were deaf at the show were in on it too but we weren't like making fun in a way that was obtrusive or making fun of the language so I, when i did yeah. that i was oh okay M maybe this is like a little bit more accessible at the people who came to that show they were like holy shit like this the way you did that with her and them. You had it clicking. Well, then they switched. They, so, you know, you interpret for however many minutes and then you switch. Yeah. Through. Well, when they switched, straight up, the guy was hot as fuck. Like, he, he was just, he was like, he was shredded. He was the, he was jacked. I'm like, what is this guy? A power, an interpreter, but a, also a power lifter. So when he walked mm -hmm. up on stage, I just stopped the middle of the joke and just fanned myself off. <laughs> and that to me too was like, we're not going to talk about this, everybody. Of you course. you know what I mean? So I think of that course. was the shift, but I'm glad to hear had, your take on it. I had an interpreter in Montreal once and you know how they wear all black to be inconspicuous and not necessarily <laughs> take center stage. That's yeah. kind of a, I don't know if it's written or unwritten, but it's a rule for interpreters. He comes up on stage and same as your story, he was like the second interpreter. And I look over and he's wearing all black, but it's like this tight black leather pantsuit, like shiny as hell. I'm like, I think you're missing the spirit of the rule here, dude. Like you're still <laughs> upstaging me. And it was one of my most fun experiences with an interpreter as well for the same reason. Cause then I could get into him, get into it about like him. Cause you're, you want to address people. I'm not trying to make fun of a language, a culture or anything, but like a dude shows up beside you in a leather pantsuit and you and can't ask those chaps, that. what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, I was actually really interested too. You went on a college tour and you called it here, here to here, which I thought mm -hmm. was very clever, but you specifically <laughs> said in a YouTube video where you kind of gave your fans a little behind the scenes look at that that it's fun it's joking but the purpose is to bring awareness around destigmatizing hearing loss mm -hmm. how did first of all how did the tour go and what was the outcome going at it with such a with a strong intention the tour went really well. It was like 30 days in an RV. I think I did 22 colleges. I didn't sleep in the RV. We slept in a hotel at night, but it was sponsored by a hearing aid company called Phonak. And, you know, they had this vision that I helped them create. But like there was a team over there who was like, it was their idea to destigmatize hearing loss. And to be honest, because like I was like, well, my whole thing is like, I have a whole joke about how I don't want to be the hearing aid guy, mm -hmm. but I'll do it for $20 million. And then I do this tour and it's called the here to hear tour. And I'm talking about my hearing aid so much. And I'm like, part of me feels like this is like doing the thing that I made fun of. Oh, uh, So, so like there was all those kinds of feelings going on too, but that went away pretty quickly when I thought about it and thought of myself as a kid. And I was like, if I would have seen somebody doing comedy and traveling around the country and they wore hearing aids, 
I mean, that would have done something for me. That would have inspired me, let's say. So if I look at it that way, destigmatize is kind of like a big word, but if just the idea of me going around the country and telling jokes with hearing aids, there's something to that. So I got over that aspect of it quick and then just had fun. I mean, traveling around America in an RV is, it's a big old country and there's some, I don't know. It was just cool. Like beyond just a hearing aid thing, you know, like I love, like you're a traveling comedian. I, I see you everywhere, by the way. I'll be at a club and it's like, Mr. D's coming here. I'm like, is this guy, does he have the same amount of weeks in a year? Like you're everywhere, dude. <laughs> hey, yeah. But, but yeah, the tour went really well and just traveling across America in an RV and like making content every day. They had this dude, Justin Dalfres. I have to shout him out because he was working for this company at the time that was totally treating him like slave labor. And I told him that at the time, I'm like, you're 20 years old. So I know you got the fucking motor to do this right now, but you're shooting all day and editing all night for a 30 day tour. Those videos you were watching was one dude shooting all day and putting together 10 minute videos every day for like 32 days, I think. So shout out to Justin, but the whole experience was really cool. Just like, I'm like kind of online, but I'm not the guy who's putting myself out there every day doing a 10 minute vlog or anything. So it was a cool peek into that world for a bit too. Dude, that world, that that part of the industry is so wild to me. So wild. It's very time. Like I was talking about it with my wife the day before I left for Vegas. And like, I'm like, because I'm trying to think, I'm like, what should I do? Like, what should I make beyond stand up? Like, you know, like what's a big idea that I can latch on to? And I'm like thinking maybe I should be, you know, I'm traveling around. I'm doing fun things. Maybe I should document it. But I feel like it overcomes everything. Like, I feel like I can't be present in everything else because I'm always thinking about what to make for content. And I think that would do something to your brain inevitably. It's so wild though, too, because I was, I completely agree with you. I was doing comedy before, before ever putting it online. And then when it popped online, that's when I was able to like headline and then tour, right. And just build. But the amount of time that I have to put into like what piece of content I'm going to create and put out there and have it be good. It like, I hate not writing and like, I hate not watching my sets back and like rewriting jokes and listening to things that I did. Like that's the part that I like love, but truly with, if you're not also putting some sort of content out there in comedy now, like, is it, you don't exist, right? It's wild. I don't exist right now, man. You exist very much. You're literally going <laughs> you're, on TV. You're talking what, tomorrow? to a ghost right now. Tip. It, whenever this drops, maybe. Yeah, I will exist at that point until I do the next thing after that. But. Oh, well, then your special drops. So what do you know? Yeah. That's- yeah. But no, you got to have something. So and I don't mind it because. Again, I think of like if I was a kid and you would have told me that I would have been able to make amazing stuff like and put it out there on my own without some middleman controlling it. And I could reach eight billion people potentially if they liked it. And that's not a a burden. That's a gift, you know. So I try to think of it that way. I just I'm just trying to think of what the hell I'm interested in enough that I want to do for that long or like that regularly, because I have done a few things and inevitably like I've had a couple podcasts and stuff. One of them I might bring back, but a couple of the other ones, like I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. And then all of a sudden I'm like, so what's the best case scenario? This thing takes off and I have to do this for 10 more years. Yeah. 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 Podcasting is the long game too, which is, it's like the long game. It's the craziest. 
It, would you even call it social media? I don't know. But I love them. Like I listen this format that you're doing right here. That's I listen to this. I don't listen to, I've listened to murder ones in the past or whatever, or informational or news, but for the most part, they come and go, but good conversational podcast. They're my number one. Especially when it's like inside baseball comedy stuff that I get like super into it. It's ridiculous. Okay. I didn't tell you this. I didn't tell you this. Part of the podcast is we sift through emails from my fans who are predominantly teachers. And I okay. specifically asked them to send me emails to blow your mind about the world of teaching. So crazy things that have happened in the classroom. And then we mm -hmm. can just riff and give our hot take on it before we get into those. Well, first let's cut to a commercial break. Okay. Before we get into emails, you have a kid, your dad. Yeah. How old is your kid? Three and a half months. Three and a half months. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Are you yeah. fully prepared to have a kindergartner on your hands? I mean, no. <laughs> I have to <laughs> but tell you. I think you, I will be by the time that happened. As a former kindergarten teacher, it will be the most beautiful, chaotic mess that's ever hit your life. I was going to say I can't wait, but my wife and I have both forbade that phrase forbidden because can't wait implies that we're trying to rush this time. So oh. uh, I very much look forward to that. I like I that. Wait. I like that. Three months old. You're not even into the phases yet, but kindergarten, most of these stories that I picked from to read to you today are from kindergarten classrooms. So I'm going to give you a little insight as to what your future life is going to look like. So can't wait. You're welcome. Yeah, there you go. Okay, here we go. Hi, Joe. Insane teaching for insane teaching story for you to read to DJ. This is one that he will never forget. I am sure. Picture this. It's day one of my student teaching joining our kindergarten classroom. I am, oh, day one of our student teacher joining our kindergarten classroom. I am teaching calendar and everything is going as great as it can be on a Monday morning in kindergarten. We're starting to practice counting and I notice one of my students who's right in front reach into his sock and grab something. Side note, many of my students bring wood chips or other small items to the from the playground. Back to the kid pulling something from his sock. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, he has a wood chip. I'm watching him as we are counting and he starts staring off into his hand and starts rubbing this item with his hand all over with his other hand. I reach my hand out and I say, Johnny, I will take whatever you have, please. There I am, <laughs> reaching my hand out for this item, assuming that it's a wood chip. Johnny begins to lift his hand, and between his thumb and his pointer finger, I notice a small, perfectly circular brown ball. I quickly take my hand away and say, Johnny, what is that? And without skipping a beat, Johnny says, poop. <laughs> Little backstory on Johnny. He is the student who cannot lie and always tells the truth. He proceeds to tell me how he pooped and he pooped at home and decided to save a little bit of it for later in his sock. Oh my God. None of my other students found this as alarming as I myself found it as the teacher. I guess welcome to kindergarten. I will never ever ask a student to hand me a mysterious item that they're playing with again. I'll just tell him to put it straight into the garbage. Wow. What do you think just about a, that? 
Just a little ball of poop. <laughs> That's no, adorable. No big deal I or mean, anything. I thought it was going to be like he had a little mouse or something. Like, you oh, know what I mean? That so would be too- I went the opposite way from the wood chip. So I would have been pleasantly surprised by the little poop. But, so he brought it from home and it was still intact. He had it in his sock. I mean, he was taking care of that poop. <laughs> he was, he loved that little nugget of poop. <laughs> That's the part that alarmed me the most is that he did it at home. He like rolled up his little poop and he's like, I'm going to take this poop to school in my sock. That's beautiful. It honestly, this, the fu- the funny part about this too, is it doesn't even phase me. It makes so much sense. What grade did you teach? I taught everything kindergarten to sixth grade, except for first and second. Oh, wow. Yeah. So How long did you do that? I taught for 10 years. Wow. And when did you stop? I officially stopped teaching four years ago. So I went on, I started touring and I was only touring on the weekends and I was taking like every single Friday off without even asking. So I knew it was becoming a problem. And then I went on tour that summer and then left the profession. Was was that hard? No, I miss the kids. I don't miss the politics, the parents or the paperwork, the three P's. Yeah. Okay. But or the poop or the poop, the four, the four P's. P's. Oh, the politics, <laughs> paperwork, parents and poop. Don't miss those. That's good. I think I'm going to write that into something for sure. I, so I went and I did it. I was doing it for a long time or for a little while, like, Finally able to like support myself in comedy, the end and doing it, loving it. The pandy wandy hits and lose all my tour dates. And I'm like, oh, this I like was just getting started. Well, a kindergarten position opened up like right across the street from my house. So I took it because my certificates were still valid and while I taught kindergarten for the rest of that school year, which was in the pandemic, I wrote a whole new hour and I was like, I'm good. We're good. We're good. A gift from the heavens. From the heavens above. Yeah. It was wild. Wow. What did you do before you, you did? Come? Oh, hey. Seattle. Oh, you're in Seattle? I'm in okay. Seattle, but I'm from Detroit. So okay. I might disassemble your car and sell the parts for drug money. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for it. Where are you? You're okay. You're from Toronto. Yeah. Well, I'm from a place like an hour outside Toronto, but I started comedy in Toronto. Very nice. I mean, Canadian Mm -hmm. comics, that's like a whole different beast, man. Yeah. In terms of what? Well, I mean, I remember, so being from Detroit, we're right there. And I remember trying to get into yuck yucks and they were like, no, no Americans straight up. I was like, wow. Okay. But then I like, why? Tell me why. Because then they'd have to pay you. I mean. Or pay you a reasonable amount. Because they had Canadian comedians by the balls, man. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But I remember watching like Tom Green and like Caroline Ray and I don't know. And yeah. so many. Lots of great. So Norm many. McDonald. Yeah. Had a farm. Yeah. And I always was like the way that you cultivate Canadian comics like cultivate that talent and like really let it like rise to the top i always thought it was really cool plus i mean like jfl hello you know you have you done it. jfl just I, to last i did jfl vancouver oh, okay and it's on the vision board but i have not done montreal yet you have 
I have, but for you, I mean, you're at a point now where like, I feel like obviously I'm a big fan of Just for Laughs, but it serves as a good launching pad for a lot of people. And then obviously big names go there too, but you're past the launching pad part of your career. So like you might not have checked it off on the vision board, but I think you can dim it a bit. I don't think you need it as much as you might've needed it at some point. True. And I hear that a lot too. I love that you use the word launching pad because that's what keeps like being said to me back. And I feel like the thing is, like, I don't think I could do new faces, right? I think I've, I think like for me to be in new faces, like might be a little bit weird, like in the, in the stand up section, like maybe the creator section, but I still want it. Like, but I say to my team, like, I want to put in an audition and they're like, what you could have like a show, you could like do a show at JFL. And I'm like, let me tell you something right now. If you talk to your team, you're not allowed in new faces. Okay. You can't have a team if you're doing new faces. You got to be riding solo. Well, there's new faces and there's new faces unwrapped. And oh, that's true. That's true. Right. Yeah, I guess. My team sounds so balling though. I talk to my team. Well, I mean, we're right. And the podcast is over. You probably don't even real, dude. I got no team. <laughs> no, shut I got the no hell team. up. You shut the hell up. Shut, I got no team. You're lying to me. You don't have an agent. One you don't have a manager right here. You don't have an agent or a manager. Don't have an agent or a manager. I got a Canadian agent who gets me stuff in Canada, but no, nothing in America. I am all by my we, lonesome. When we turn this fucking camera off, I am going to literally ask you so many goddamn questions (laughs) that's insane good for you i guess yeah i mean shit man that's really that's that's i'm thrown back a little bit (laughs) i'm thrown back by your team here let me do well i well I did not mean it like that, DJ. I did not mean I'm it not like that. I'm not saying that you were being pretentious or anything. I'm just saying that's a very cool sentence to say. I talk to my team and I aspire to say that at some point. Well, I aspire to be on Fallon. <laughs> Here we <laughs> we'll go. talk to your team about it. God damn it. Here we go. Here's another. Here, you'll be the fact that you haven't been on Fallon. I could respond with the same sort of indignation that you just did when I say I don't have a team. So that'll come for you soon enough if I can be a reverse pep talker to you here. The reverse pep talk is working. The reverse pep talk is working. (laughs) Here, hold on. I got one more for you. Dear Mr. D, I'm a behavioral interventionist in Grand Isle VT. That's Vermont, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Vermont. During I didn't teach uh, a lot of geography during guidance class about feelings. The counselor asked our fourth graders to raise their hands if they'd like to share any if they'd like to share with us a time that they were surprised. A sweet girl, very shy girl, raised her hand and said, well, it wasn't my surprise, but my mom was pretty surprised when she found out daddy was paying a woman on the Internet to talk to him. My jaw was on the floor. The teacher's jaw was on the floor, but the counselor never missed a beat. She just said, I'm sure that was surprising. But tell me about a time that you were surprised. She continued (laughs) this conversation with ease. How the hell did she even do that? I was completely derailed. Moving on. You're amazing and your energy is just incredible. Keep on keeping on. You make me find humor in every single day. Love the podcast. Well, thanks. Thanks, gal. That's beautiful. This also not flabbergasted kids literally will tell you everything about their parents. 
They don't know to keep it in the house. Well, you could also do what I do, which is I would play a game called Tell Me Everything About Your Parents if they weren't giving me enough, <laughs> which is very fun. That gives you a lot of ammo if they try to come at you during parent-teacher meetings. You're like, listen, I'm not going to sit here and listen to a guy who talks to a random woman on the internet three nights a week, you know? Exactly. Well, I did have a parent, one, a student one time. She said, she said, my parents were so excited last night. They were up all night screaming, giving each other high fives. And I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll see it on OnlyFans. But, you know. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, one time my dad at a parent-teacher meeting, I had a really beautiful French teacher in elementary school. And then while he was talking to her, he was like, oh, DJ always tells me how beautiful you are. But I was like, I didn't tell you that. You were using me as the conduit to like hit on my French teacher. So he was like, you know what I mean? He was, it was like kind of the reverse of like how teachers know everything about the parent. It was like, he was using me as the opposite channel. He was using me to get to the, by the way, my parents were together and everything. He was just flirting or something. I don't know. Yeah. He was just, (laughs) I remember I was like eight years old or something being confused, being like, I don't think I've told you that. Oh, okay. (laughs) Dad's just trying to say bonjour over here and get a little French fry. Wait, wait, that's crazy. That's funny. That shit happens all the time though. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a lot of people hit on you or anything? Like what was your interaction like with parents? Yeah. So especially early on my career when I was like 20, 21, 22, 23, and not, wasn't teaching as a gay person is very weird too, because you have to go back in the class. Well, you shouldn't, but this is a different time. And you kind of had to like go back in the closet because it was so, um, just like unacceptable for there to be like an out gay teacher. So I was very Mm -hmm. much just like walking around school, not talking about my life very much so it was always is he i don't know look at that walk Uh, we're not sure so the moms (laughs) were not completely sure so they would hit on me to like Mm. and i'm to this day i'm not sure if they like wanted a little bit of d's d or if they were trying to figure it out to see if i went for it which i don't think i would go for it anyway you say that as a gay person. <laughs> <A> gay <man. laughs> yeah. I remember specifically one mom was like, it was Halloween. And she's like, well, I'm just going to be putting together the Halloween treat bags at my house with a bottle of wine. And I just live down the street. If you want to come over. And I was just like, you know what? I got a lot of grading to do. I got a lot of grading to do. <laughs> like, like, that's what I did. <sighs> That situation would pre- would present a real ethical quandary for me, I know. Oh, yeah. If I was single and like 24 at the time, like you said, and like parents were hit, like mom were hitting on me, that would have been a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, it would be until you saw where I taught and how many teeth these parents have. You don't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I am really glamorizing what these moms look like in my head. <laughs> yeah. It's Halloween. Come over, big girl. Come over to the Halloween party planning situation meanwhile what they really said it like was hey you want to come back to my halloween party planning i got two 
two bull whips and some roast beef, we're going to have ourselves a real good time, Mr. D. Oh, man. Yeah. It got bad there for a second. Then you brought it back to sounding amazing again. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> DJ, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Again, where can people find the special? And do you have any dates coming up? Where are you at? Yeah, actually, this is the longest I'm away from my three-month-old right now. I'm in Vegas for a week. So the summer, I'm not on the road too much. But uh, check out my website. My fall is booking up right now, djdemarriage.com. Check out my new special, Born in 86. And I'm just releasing it free on YouTube. And I self-produced it. And, you know, so if you would just share it and spread the word, that really means a lot to me. So if you enjoy it, please tell your friend, tell your family, tell your teachers, tell your students. And uh, yeah, I just want to say also, I've been watching a lot of your clips in the last... I think because we were talking on over messaging on Instagram and the algorithm was like, oh, you must like them. So it's been showing me all your stuff and I've gone back and watched old stuff too. And you're super funny and such a good positive force. So I, I respect what you're doing. Comedian to comedian, person to person. Oh man, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And now we're going to turn off the camera because I have a lot to say to you. Hey, you guys, DJ, you are going to, you're really going to enjoy his stuff. I have watched his specials. He's very funny. I know that Born in 86 is also going to hold to those and probably even be even better. Do not miss it. Go take a watch. And also it's free. So what do you got to lose? Press pause. Go check it out. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.